discover the deep-seated personality flaw that caused my guest to fall down the rabbit hole in the first place. This personality flaw that was first discovered over 2,000 years ago affects every cultist and conspiracy theorist. Can you guess what it is? Keep listening to find out. Welcome to Escaping the Rabbit Hole, hosted by former conspiracy theorist Antonio Perez, author of Converting Conspiracy Theorists. Antonio looks at conspiracy theories from multiple angles, such as how do conspiracy theorists impact their family and friends? How can they escape the grip of conspiracy theories? And why do they fall down the rabbit hole in the first place? You'll discover strategies to set clear boundaries with people stuck in dangerous conspiracy theories and improve your mental well-being. Here's your host, Antonio Perez. Aloha, it's Antonio with EscapingTheRabbitHole.com. In this podcast, I have a guest that I just became aware of about, I want to say, three months ago. He's in the hypnosis world, and he has a, a unique take on how we got into the hypnosis world. Today, I have Grant Offenberger from GrantMePeace.com. That's G-R-A-N-T-M-E-P-E-A-C-E.com. Hey, Grant, thanks for coming on. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You know what? I always hear that. Thanks for having me. One time I want somebody to be like, you know what? Uh, why the hell am I doing this? Why are you having me on? You know what? I actually got to go. How did you get into hypnosis? So first, I want to kind of get into that, and then we can get into how you fell down the... Actually, you know what? I think I know what your answer is going to be. But, um, can you just let me, um, I guess, follow up with that question? How did you get into hypnosis? Yeah, so... Hypnosis kind of plays a part in my interest in conspiracy theories, as I'm sure you. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I asked that question, I'm like, oh, that's right. You mentioned that. All right. So um, I've always been interested in influential figures. I remember being, what, like five, maybe younger, being interested in infomercials, being interested in politics, the political debates. It was all very interesting. I mean, it's, it's showmanship. Um, my father's always been a professional wrestling fan and I grew up with that of being a fan as well. So, I mean, it's, what's the difference between politics and professional wrestling? It's all a grand show and it caught my interest. I later got interested in cults and things of that variety, just interested in how they work. I mean, my grandfather ran a wing of a commune that taught a lot of things that coincide with hypnosis. And so it kind of hit home a little bit. This wasn't a malicious cult or anything, but I was interested in how those worked and how cult leaders could be so influential that they would have someone break away from their values and start to listen to these people and do anything they wanted. It was just fascinating in the fact that it was insane to me that it could happen. And as I would look into these things. Question. Sorry. Uh, when you say it helps somebody to break away, uh, that would cause somebody to break away from their values, do you think it, they broke away from the values or they found, or they were presented another way to get to that same value? I suppose that's the truth is, I mean, you have these specific values, but I think you can somewhat pace and lead someone into a different set of values because they're so similar. Or you can go, oh, you have this value. Well, this uh, this coincides with that value. And then you divert from it so much that it's not even recognizable as that original value. Okay, you got like safety and then you can pace them and lead them to maybe security. Like, oh, this family gives you security. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And then you're no longer safe in that cult. So. Yeah. You're, you're, or it's almost like you're no longer safe outside of the cult. Like, yeah, you, true. You this family. Yeah, we, mm -hmm. we start a cult. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't so, have, I don't have the mental bandwidth for that. Oh man, I was looking to you for this. You're my leader. Bro, I, too much ADHD. There's no way. There's no <laughs> way I can pull that off. Yeah, you have to have a structured game plan, huh? Yeah. Also got interested in conspiracy theories. I mean, as a teenager on the internet, how do you not come across conspiracy yeah. theories? They're everywhere. And my family, well, my grandfather immigrated here, escaping the Nazis. So somewhere within me, I always have that, well, the government's not always the nicest people in the world. I've seen government, well, I haven't personally, but I'm here because government slaughtered my family. Yeah. And so I had that ingrained in a foundation of, well, don't always trust everything the government does. And then there's all this information on the internet of, oh, the government's doing this and the government's doing that. And some of it is was silly. You know, I got into David Icke. I liked his stuff. I, I originally liked his more spiritual stuff. Infinite love is the only truth. Everything else is illusion. Just talking about how every vibration, about love, about, you know, all that new age stuff. When, uh, when we used to run a conspiracy theory brew and view in Detroit, people would, I, I got to put pictures on, the, on this blog post. Um, we would one day, but we're it was every Sunday we do a conspiracy theater brew and view show like uh, Loose Change, all the conspiracy movies, Zeitgeist, all that. At one point, my friend, my manager, my friend, he's a manager, went to the back. Actually, let me phrase it. Um, rephrase it. Not so much friend anymore because he's continued down like like the far right conspiracy. We kind of split there. He went to the back, came out with tinfoil, and what goes this for is like make tinfoil hats. So we it was like a competition. Every Sunday we'd get to the bar, we'd make tinfoil hats, and we almost use it as a way to like laugh at ourselves. But hey, I'm not that crazy. Mm-hmm. We would have um I remember one time in particular somebody asked me, like, Oh, what about the reptilian agenda? I'm like, Oh, I'm not that level of crazy. I'm just this crazy. I think they're satanic pedophiles. It's all crazy across the board. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so when I got into his stuff, I later saw his reptilian agenda stuff. And I didn't accept that as true in my map of reality within my narrative of what the world's like. But I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a fun story. And so I would still watch it, get into it. And certain things kind of seep their way into my idea of reality. And so I'm getting into that. I'm watching Alex Jones simply because he's a crazy guy that's it's meant to be entertaining i mean that's his jumping around yeah <laughs> i was deep in alex shows i don't know how yeah i don't know how i found that i actually i don't um you probably haven't seen the video i ran into him not this past june but almost like two years ago me and a uh, fellow hypnotist i don't know if you're familiar with richard barker stage hypnotist um he was working the cruise ships out here so he contacted me and um we we um I was gonna say so he contacted me and I took him on a hike went down to a really nice beach on the way there we're talking about like a lot of um hypnotists are crazy they believe in conspiracy theories then we mentioned Alex Jones I'm like God what a wing nut six hours later we're sitting at a uh bar we're getting some food and I look over I'm like holy shit Alex Jones is walking past <laughs> So I generally am put this out there. I don't believe in the law of attraction, but how the hell do I attract <laughs> him? Of all that's things, I funny. I don't manifest a million dollars. I manifest that piece. <laughs> so, and then good like, job. Oh, so let me get a picture, and then I get a picture, and then I'm back in my head. I'm like, oh, I can't share this on Facebook. I'm gonna look bad. 
Yeah. I got a video of me. I'll send it to you later. I got a video of me calling out, calling Alex Jones out, basically just saying, yeah, I quit believing you and I quit being paranoid. <laughs> nice. Uh, what was crazy is three days before I was in um, Jason Lynette's Do Hypnosis Online course. It was like a five-day course. And he was talking about, hey, you need a story about why you want to do hypnosis online. And in that in that um class, I mentioned how I mentioned a story about how I thought um martial law was happening in Detroit. And the whole the whole pitch was hey, this is I thought martial law was happening in Detroit. Then I realized Alex Jones was full of shit. This is like three days before I ran into him. But it's when I if I had been outside the restaurant and I saw him walking by, I've been like, I would have had enough time, like, oh my God, let me talk about that. But I was so nervous, I it went out my brain. I mean, that would have been the best sales pitch. I could have just been like, you know, if this guy is a freedom fighter, and then go into my story and be like, and that's when I realized he's full of shit. That mm-hmm. would have been such a great material for a sales video. Such great. <laughs> Alas, I'll just have I'll just have to wait for um for AI to step up its game. Right, or just wait for him to cross your path again. Oh yeah, yeah. It's funny. That's when he was talking about how he's uh he's broke and. Blah blah blah. It's been like, do your on vacation in one of the most expensive places on the planet. You oh yeah, that. he has a thriving snake oil company. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast by going to www.escapingtherabbithole.com. Add your first name and best email to the form and smash the button that says get the podcast. You'll get instant access when the newest episodes are released. Plus, you'll get the first three chapters of Antonio's newest book sent directly to your email. What was your perspective on mental health growing up versus now? Well, I mean, my perspective on mental health hasn't really changed very much, you know? I mean, that's something that's always been of value, you know? Questioning yourself, questioning why you believe what you believe has pretty much always been something that's been there. But when you're caught up in believing crazy things, even when you question it, you're still justifying it to yourself. I think mental health is important, but focusing on doom and gloom is not good for your mental health in any regards. Even simply just people that aren't conspiracy theorists that just thrive on watching the news, that's still not good for you constantly watching the news nonstop. And so you see it on any spectrum where people get gravitated towards that but that's just human nature you're trying to look out for threats because you're trying to survive it's a negativity bias yep Mm -hmm. so while it hasn't my viewpoint hasn't changed my approach has changed a little bit simply because i kind of realize how they get you hooked into these things and so i can question wait am i falling for this right now i think i am because before it would be oh man, like, look at 9-11, like, this building collapsed on its own, this must be George Bush, and they're going to do martial law, and what not, and what not, and okay, well, there's no martial law yet, okay, George Bush, um, he's not president anymore, so maybe that's not it, okay, maybe the official narrative can be a little strange, but maybe that's the truth, why do you have to question something, and then immediately go to the other end of the spectrum, like, why can't you have curiosity in the middle of going I don't know anything I don't know everything certainly why does it have to be either this or that I like that point it's it's okay to question something because we're nervous but you don't want to jump to media like it's laser beam wow these assholes and I can say that because I own this podcast after the Maui fires happened all these people like it's fucking laser beams it's laser beams I'm like like we talked earlier who gives a shit 
it happened. So let's just say, let's adopt the map of the um, map of reality as laser beams. Okay, who gives a shit? How are we going to help those people to rebuild? Or I don't know if if a lot of Hawaiians want our, our, our help to rebuild, or if they just want or just a support and keeping keeping the vultures from coming in, swooping their land up, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a uh, conspiracy theorists focus on problems while the rest of people have to focus on solutions. Exactly, one hundred percent. When you're focused on problems, you're just going to notice more problems. It's not going to help that you solved that this was Bigfoot. It's not going to do anything that there's aliens or there's not aliens and it's Project Blue Beam and the government. What does that have to do with anything? You know, for years, I had always believed like, oh, Project Blue Beam's real. It, it sounds like it was a total fabrication. There was some conspiracy theorist that just said there's a government program. There never was. It's a complete fabrication, which it can... And I understand why people don't want to stop believing conspiracy theories because it's embarrassing knowing you're wrong about something. Mm-hmm. Not fun. Exactly. And I, I even branched off from that into those like spiritual conspiracy theories. And I love the story of the Anunnaki and all that stuff. And then at one point I realized spending a lot of time looking up this stuff looking up your light body and the merkaba and whatnot and who is this helping at all this isn't helping a single person it's not helping me and it's not helping anyone around me it's trivial fantasy information yes it's and... mental jerk information and if you can exactly the video you'll see what i just did so i just talked to um a fellow hypnotist you know i'm not going to mention their name because they um they're an evidence-based person but they are they asked me about kundalini because i had a, a kundalini awakening let me i mean i forced it have you ever heard the concept of kundalini i'm sure you have yeah, yeah. so 2000 oh, was it 2001 i think no it's probably 2002 2003 i had heard about this right about on the internet it's like everything and i'm very analytical science-minded at the same time i I had, I had a lot more woo back then, but I heard about this. Oh, let me force myself to have a Kundalini awakening. This sounds fun. Sounds like a, sounds like a hit of acid. This sounds fun. And um, long story short, I just did this meditation. I imagine there's like a cord at the base of my spine, it, like bringing up energy into like root chakra. I imagine like massaging it. And every time I would bring it up, I would tense um, my, um, my taint, for lack of better words. I would tense... The, um almost uh, create almost like a like a uh, pump so every time I breathe in I would tense that like doing a ke- uh, kegel kegel whatever and it got to the point where the that started to like pump um automatically by itself and the next thing I know like this is about the course over about an hour maybe hour and a half I got little tingles all over my body when this so-called energy came out to my stomach my stomach just started to kind of um um spasm um by itself it would kind of knead over it got to the point where it was um it felt very psychedelic i almost imagined i was in a like an elevator of like light or energy and i could i could hear the sound like a like a um almost like a humming sound and i I could just feel like i was going up and down my spinal cord the um this light whatever it was at one point when it got to like my throat or i think it was my my forehead I could see like this blue flame just it was the trippiest thing and then the next six months next six months I had um really bad I've always had I 
not anymore, but I had always had bad depression and anxiety to the point of like suicidal ideation years ago. But after I did this, my mental health got way worse. I My paranoia ramped up really bad. It was bordering psychosis slash almost schizophrenia. I had heard of a lot of people having psychosis-induced meditation, and that definitely was that. So here's a warning. If anybody uh, wants to force a kundalini have, uh, waking, don't. I've heard that you want to prepare yourself first if you have any kind of like emotional blockages or any kind of deep-rooted trauma. Take care of shit first. Do not jump into that willy-nilly. Um, not to, I don't want to stay on this topic too much, but have you ever had any experience with that or heard about some of the uh, some aspects of Kundalini? I mean, I, I looked it up and stuff like that. I wouldn't say I have personal, deep, profound experiences worthy of sharing or anything like that. But I, I've certainly been interested in that kind of stuff. I got and got significantly less interested in any of that stuff when I found out about hypnosis. Really, it all kind of just fluffed off because. I noticed myself interested in all these different spiritual aspects and all these different teachings. And then I realized that all the parts that I liked, I would cherry pick what I like. Well, those are all the hypnotic parts. Those are all the parts about the subconscious mind, about the workings of the human experience and all that. And so, well, rather than cherry picking what I like from all these different things, here it is on a silver platter for me. Yeah, that's probably a safer bet. Is your mental and emotional health being affected by a loved one trapped in conspiracy theories? If so, discover how Antonio can help you set clear boundaries and reclaim your mental well-being. Book your free 20-minute consultation call by going to www.escapingtherabbithole.com slash call. That's escapingtherabbithole.com forward slash C-A-L-L. A lot of people think erroneous thoughts about conspiracy theorists what's the one idea that you think the majority of people get wrong about conspiracy theorists i think that people attack them and i don't think that's right not physically of course but people i mean yeah it's fun to make fun of anyone i I like to make fun of myself i like to make fun of everyone but not in front of them i don't want their feelings to be hurt but that's just human nature um but i think people pick on them when the truth is they're not trying to do anything bad they're scared and yeah. it's not right to be mean to someone for being scared. Yeah, um, if you see my Facebook post, I, I can definitely jab. It's funny because I think um, it's weird. I think I had felt shamed when I was a conspiracy theorist, and that's one thing that helped me. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I... but on, on the same token, there's the idea like, oh, we need to respect everybody's opinions. Bullshit. Didn't respect Nazis. There's some things mm-hmm. that... I think if some things are shamed, they, they go back in the closet. Sometimes it might be better because when you have politicians that are just flat out endorsing QAnon wacky stuff, it does not help. So mm-hmm. I think there's a fine line. Sometimes uh, it, sometimes I think dangerous ideologies can just be shamed. You can't get rid of them, but I think if you can shame them back into staying in the little circle and staying quiet, it might be helpful at some point. I don't know. I'm not an expert on that. Yeah, I think when it when it comes to anything that endorses violence, I think that you get what you tolerate, so you simply don't tolerate it. Yeah. So if that's shaming them, if that's any, however you have to get it out of a centralized area of control, but then open discussion, because if you're not talking to them, they're going to have their own ecosystem of telling each other they're right, and you then create an in and out game, a win-loss game, yeah. and everyone likes to play that game. 
So if you give them the opportunity, of course, they're going to take that. They're going to have their own little bubble of simply just having discourse and conversation. And they're going to pace and lead it and take it one step further with complex equivalents, with cause and effect and create like, lizard people are controlling the world because we don't have this conversation. Oh, why do you feel this way? Oh, because the government has done bad things in the past. Well, why does that mean they're doing this right now? Oh, well, I don't really know. I'm just kind of scared, you know, yeah. once you get to that. A good book, um, somewhere on my bookshelf, I don't know what, uh, I don't know what it's called, um, How to Have Impossible Conversations by Peter Bogosian. It's, I think he coined the term street epistemology. It's a set of techniques to help somebody reevaluate their, their beliefs. One question I really like in there that I included in my book, Converting Conspiracy Theorists, is how confident are you on a scale of one to 10 that the reptilian agenda is real? And if whatever number, if they're like, oh, like an eight, but oh, why didn't you choose a seven to help introduce doubt into the equation? Right. They do that with sales and all sorts of different things, that little yes. technique. <laughs> yeah, I do that in sales, definitely. Because people, they think you're going to ask, like, oh, why didn't you choose like a nine? So they're ready mm. to get the defenses up and you're like, why didn't you choose a lower number? Then like, oh, shit. They mm. kind of fall off. Yeah, I, I've learned that one before. I even was just uh, refreshing on some NLP stuff and they're just talking about that too. That's good. I never thought of that with helping someone with their conspiracy theory beliefs. That's an interesting way of approaching it. Yeah. What was your first thought after you stopped believing in conspiracy theories? I felt liberated i felt like all that time i was searching for something and i didn't realize it was like hypnosis i just constantly was looking for things and 90 percent of it was well this is silly well this doesn't make sense and then sometimes getting caught in those silly and doesn't make sense and then checking on myself and realizing well this thing i'm believing isn't serving me or anyone around me well what am i looking for and then finally i found it it's like oh it was right there in front of me this whole time and so it was pretty liberating. I like to, with all sorts of different things, just kind of ask myself, like, well, whose thoughts am I thinking? Where did they come from? And are they serving me? Those are the three questions I always ask myself with all sorts of different things, every little piece of my life, because most that, of the time we're... That soundbite is, I'm definitely going to, that's definitely been a soundbite. I really like those questions. Yeah, I, I always encourage all of my clients to ask themselves that, because oftentimes we're we're thinking thoughts that aren't our own. So whose thoughts are you thinking? And where did those come from? You got it from someone who got it from some structure, some system, some belief, someone else. And are they serving you? Because maybe they're not your thoughts, but maybe they're helping you in life. Or maybe they are your thoughts, but they're not really working for you and where you want to be. So can we let them go? And what can we fill its place with? I like that. That's definitely going to be a soundbite. So in my new book, uh, one section is about how to transform self-doubt. Um, this is about <clears throat> how to, I guess, overcome gaslighting. Like how to overcome self-doubt that you've gotten getting from gaslighting from a, a family member that's caught in the conspiracy theory slash cults. The study talks about uh, the study I'm reading talks about four elements of narcissism that kind of play into conspiracy theories. One is on the underlying paranoia. Uh, two is the the need to feel unique and special. These conspiracy theories give that to people. Like, look what I have and nobody else has. I've got this information. That's widely available to everybody on the internet. But they think like only they know about it. There's the need to dominate and control. 
and you, you've seen this in like um, QAnon lately, or Alex Jones' rabid followers that were attacking family members of Sandy Hook. They're just trying to dominate that. And then the fourth one, which I think is really interesting, is gullibility. The study talks about how conspiracy theorists can be extremely gullible because they think they are so smart that nobody can fool them. And by doing that, their defenses get lowered and then they end up getting fooled. How many elements of those four elements do you think played into you um, wanting, um, getting interested in conspiracy theories? Yeah, so I'd say the majority of them, I would say to this day, I'm still want to feel special. I still have narcissistic tendencies, but I'd say most people do. To this day, I still want control, but I'd say most people do want to control certain aspects of your life. That's human nature. You want to at least control your emotions, control your thoughts, control anything, even control your desire to no longer want to control. So much of it is control throughout. But I'd say the biggest one would be gullibility, where you think you know what's going on. Because I'm so once you smart, nobody can fool me. And then you exactly lower your defenses and oh you, you got fooled. And there's gonna be elements of um of like QAnon and those people. I think I've already we're already kind of seeing people, oh I didn't believe in that stuff. Because it, I I guarantee you deep down they're like, oh my god, I look like such a fool. How did I get conned by that man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it happens to a lot of people. I mean conspiracy theories or anything where you're just so certain about yourself that you don't even question your beliefs and so once getting out of that getting out of believing any of these conspiracy theories I mean even like uh, Stephen Greer's whole alien conspiracy theory I was into that and then I kind of started to realize the flaw in them and their congruency with their message and who they are then you start once you see that you start to question the beliefs in general and then it kind of falls from there. And then you realize, well, I didn't have all the answers. What else am I wrong about? What other thoughts am I thinking that aren't serving me? Talking about being incongruent. So I mentioned this story in my book uh, years ago. So I was um, going to computer school. This was probably 2005, I think it was. And at this time, I, I, my, I was a wreck mentally. The bus I would take from computer school would come down Rosa Parks Avenue. It would cross over, I think, Martin Luther King, and then it would turn towards the highway. Did this day in and day out for better part of a year. The bus was coming down Rosa Parks, and then it, uh, let's say, it crossed over the street, and then it didn't turn towards the highway. It kept going, so instantly I'm like, okay, what the hell's happening? I had that the natural mechanism of since I've been in conspiracy theories for a while, I'm like, okay, something's happening. Something's out of the ordinary bus turns on to Michigan Avenue. I look up, there's black helicopters. I swear to God, I see like black helicopters off the distance coming down over the helicopter. I'm like, holy shit, what's happening? I get off the bus and there's like rows and rows of uh, armed uh, uh, paramilitary soldiers. I'm like, oh my God. And this is when I was knee deep in Alex Jones. I'm like, holy shit, Alex Jones is right. I need to get home because I'm like, okay, I need to warn everybody. It was me, 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 like little narcissistic tendencies. On. I need to warn everybody. I need to be the hero. I get up the bus. I'm heading down uh, Rosa Parks Avenue. And then off in the distance, about two blocks away, I see this guy. The best way to describe him is he looks like a, like a scrotum stretched over a skeleton with two eyes bulging out. You just eyes kind of sagging. I can see it already. <laughs> yeah, and keep that mind, keep that in your mind. I'm like, holy shit. 
I'm like, how, I'm like, I know this person. My heart's just cracking out of my chest. I'm like, okay, how do I know him? Is he, is he one of those people who've been gang stalking me? I'm like, okay, I'm obviously very par- paranoid. As I'm getting ready to, to run past him, I'm, okay, when I get up to him, I'm gonna I'm gonna bolt. I'm gonna get home. I'm warn all everybody on MySpace. We have like a network of truthers and patriots. As I'm getting ready to bolt past him, I look over. I'm like, oh, why the fuck is Steve Buscemi here? And I heard quiet on the set. I'm like, holy shit. That's when I realized, like, I'm on a movie set. That's when I'm being paranoid. Oh, this is actually going to illustrate something that you're familiar with. That story I just told, there's elements that didn't happen. Um, Steve Buscemi wasn't there. He was in the movie. The movie was an island, but he wasn't there. But I told that story so many times that um, I've had to embellish it because people, they know Steve Buscemi. And once once you hear me say Steve Buscemi, they're like, oh, yeah, it totally looks like, totally looks like that. Which I'm going to try to get an endorsement from him for this book. I, I don't think he's going to give me an endorsement after he sees that description of the book. <laughs> I, I hope so. I doubt it. Um, there's all elements. I the helicopters were there, and then I think there were a couple like paramilitary that looked like there was like blown up tanks, but yeah, I was I'm like, this is martial law, it's happening. And then when that fell apart, that's when I that's one of the pivotal moments where I'm like, Yeah, Alex Jones might be full of bullshit. He might be bullshitting us. Yeah, that I'm so lucky that happened to me. But honestly, it's a hilarious story. And like usually when I tell people, people like, Oh man, and the funny thing is. If you're not familiar with it, Steve Buscemi was a firefighter back in, I think, like, 84 in the 80s. And when 9-11 happened, he went and he started volunteering. If I if I heard that at the time, I'd have been like, uh-oh, Hollywood elite. You know where I'm going. This Hollywood elite, he's part of it. Mm-hmm. Part of the conspiracy. Subscribe to the podcast by going to www.escapingtherabbithole.com. Add your first name and best email to the form and smash the button that says get the podcast. You'll get instant access when the newest episodes are released. Plus, you'll get the first three chapters of Antonio's newest book sent directly to your email. If you were still a conspiracy theorist and you wanted to recruit somebody into conspiracy theories, how would you go about doing it? What would be like maybe the first step, second step, etc.? I was never a big recruiter. I'm, I'm probably to a fault not preachy about anything, I believe, which sometimes hinders me because, oh, I, I can probably help you with this issue, but I don't want to be preachy at all. So I just won't help you or offer to help you. You have to ask me. Um, yeah. So I, I, wouldn't, I wasn't big on recruiting, but I would simply just um, spread information. Like if I was worried about something, just talk about it on an online forum, get get my concerns out there because it is all fear-based you're fearing for your life for your safety for your family it's it's nothing malicious within their map of reality even I was doing a seminar about hypnosis and there were people outside uh, yelling and screaming that we were going to go to hell because it wasn't what Jesus wanted and you can barely hear me find me up (laughs) <laughs> and people are getting upset and i'm trying to explain they they literally think they're helping us they think we're going burn in yeah. hell so any rational person that thinks you're going burn in hell and they can help you well that's great why wouldn't they try to help you and so a lot of times these people think they're doing good but they're really not and so it's just kind of where was that when they were screaming that you're burning in hell it was an event in Fountain Valley. I go all around and do little seminars and talks, and that one was in Fountain Valley. Where's Fountain? Is that California? 
Yeah, it's Orange County, uh, California. Okay, I'm so that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so we know that um, questions are pivotal. What questions were you? Um, what questions did you constantly ask yourself when you were a conspiracy theorist? I guess that maybe kept you stuck, or um, kind of kept you stuck in the rabbit hole. Well, I mean, once you have a belief, it's just nature to try to strengthen that belief, to reinforce it, to build a solid foundation on your narrative and on the story that you're telling yourself. So once I've told myself that the government is not your friend and that the government is here to kill you, um, then you just look up ways. Oh, I hope today's not the day. Let's see what the government's doing today. How can I keep myself safe from the government? Yeah. When in reality, how does any of this keep me safe at all? How does exactly. <laughs> hear me? Find me up. <laughs> and people are getting upset. And I'm trying to explain. They they literally think they're helping us. They think we're going burn in yeah. hell. So any rational person that thinks you're going burn in hell and they can help you, well, that's great. Why wouldn't they try to help you? And so a lot of times these people think they're doing good, but they're really not and so it's just kind of where was that when they were screaming that you're burning in hell it was an event in fountain valley i go all around and do little seminars and talks and that one was in fountain valley where's is that california yeah it's orange county uh california okay i'm so that's wild (laughs) so we know that um questions are pivotal what questions were you um, what questions did you constantly ask yourself when you were a conspiracy theorist? I guess that maybe kept you stuck or um, kind of kept you stuck in the rabbit hole. Well, I mean, once you have a belief, it's just nature to try to strengthen that belief, to reinforce it, to build a solid foundation on your narrative and on the story that you're telling yourself. So once I've told myself that the government is not your friend and that the government is here to kill you, um, then you just look up ways, oh, I hope today's not the day. Let's see what the government's doing today. How can I keep myself safe from the government? Yeah, when in reality, how does any of this keep me safe at all? How does... Exactly. Now, <laughs> I mean... Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I mean, how? I'm not sure how me going through emails and trying to see if there is a pedophilia ring in in <laughs> politics does anything to keep me safe or if it was true how i could do anything about it but it's so funny that would make you like more at risk because if you expose it you're gonna be killed Mm -hmm. but we're um you know the whole um epstein didn't kill himself so what's interesting in in that belief there was a girl i think her name was virginia guafri Uh, she's one of the ones that was um it's so much mental gymnastics Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I get some people grab onto one thing and then they say, oh, that stuff that I don't believe, that's not true. That's them trying to spread misinformation. So you don't believe the truth. But like, why do you even accept this is true when I mean, the only thing you've solved is that this official story might not be the truth. That doesn't mean that everything else is true. What is your biggest struggle now that you're you're out of conspiracy theories? I guess my biggest struggle is oftentimes, well, I I was really into those like spiritual kind of 
conspiracy theories and I was really into a lot of the woo-woo stuff. So my biggest struggle is kind of getting back into that as a as a way of showing people how it's their mind oftentimes, how they attribute these things to other things, but it's actually their mind. And so I've been still into the woo-woo culture to try to teach hypnosis, to try to show them oh, all these things that you enjoy, you can actually give yourself that power back because you're just prescribing it to someone else, but you're the one doing it. You can short guess- circuit. You can short circuit without having to do the long, but I think some people like the ritual and stuff. Exactly. Short circuit, um, get much faster results. That's my that's my biggest struggle is sometimes I'll go to these things and people have absolutely no interest because when you give it your power to someone else to something else, you're no longer responsible for it. And people don't often like that responsibility. People often like to live at effects that the world is happening to them. But when you give all of your power back, you're living at cause. And a lot of times people don't like to accept that. So sometimes I'll try to go to these woo-woo places and show them hypnosis and they have absolutely no interest because they'd rather their higher being or their spirit guide do it for them yeah that way if it doesn't work the lazy way the quick way right the lazy way is hypnosis that's the quick way Mm -hmm. but i mean if it doesn't work then it's on them and people don't like that that um they go you're right it goes back to external locus of control they want the outside force to do it for them Versus being um, in um, in their own power. Now, I want to kind of sw- uh, switch gears up a bit because in this podcast, I like to interview either former conspiracy theorists, family members of conspiracy theorists, or um, therapists. You have two elements of that. What um, being a do you identify as a hypnotist or hypnotherapist? Um. I identify more as a hypnotherapist just because no no matter what I'm doing, it's still a form of therapy. I'm still helping people. Even with my stage shows, I'll finish it off with helping people. Nice. Now, what are some, what are some of your favorite mental health resources, be it a book, podcast, app, et cetera, that you can share with the audience? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I like Andrew Huberman stuff. That's always good, fun stuff. Other than that, introspection is going to be your best bet. No one knows you quite as much as you. What? <laughs> what is that? I, um... <laughs> but yeah, I'd say um, outside of introspection, outside of that, um, one big thing that really changed my viewpoint on life and, and completely reshaped my, my whole map was um, before finding hypnosis, which is the best, I found Watts lectures and books. And so that that changed what? my life more what than lectures? Alan Watts. Okay, I've really never listened to Watts. Yeah, I'd say um, the first book I read was Out of Your Mind, and that definitely changed my life. It changed my entire relationship with my with life and my relationship with it. And so outside of that and hypnosis, I'd say those are the best things that have really helped me in life. I have a question I'd like to ask every guest. What does escaping the rabbit hole mean to you? It means freedom because... When you're deep in that rabbit hole, you're living your life off of other people's paranoias and fears. And when you escape the rabbit hole, you see the world through how you want to see the world, not how other people tell you to see the world. It means freedom. And freedom is essentially control. It's self-control. 
It's not controlling others. It's not controlling a narrative. It's controlling how you view the world and how you feel. And that's that's the best thing to have control over yourself, over your mind. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. I've heard, um, I was in a training for this thing called the self-concept model by Stephen Andreas from the Andreas NLP camp. And I think it might be him or one of his students that said it, that freedom is kind of a weird word, a weird concept. How, um, let me ask, is it freedom to be, do, or have something? How do I view freedom? Yeah. Well, let me, if you could, if you could frame it in the words of freedom to be, do, or have something, what would, what would it be? Oh man, I'm so lost on this question. Um, your, your own, um, well, to do whatever you want to do that doesn't impose on anyone else's reality is basically how I view freedom. To think your own organic thoughts that aren't placed there as like a psychic infection in terms of Carl Jung, that aren't placed there on a, by other people, that you can kind of come to your own conclusion that aren't fear-based driven. And to be well anything, because you pretty much can be most things within reason, and so as long as you're not limiting yourself, like you're pretty free to do whatever you want, so long as you're not imposing on others. Don't hurt people. So the golden rule, don't be a dick. I mean, that, that's basically it. Respect that other people have their own map of reality. Don't impose on it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so hard to not do that. <laughs> so hard to not do that, especially when you see somebody that you think is obviously wrong. I mean, what? It's funny when people talk about, oh, the map is not the territory, but sometimes people are just objective or, or just wrong. They're saying yeah, yeah. people are absolutely wrong. Like you could tell them, like, oh, the sky's blue. Like people that want to be oppositional, they're like, no, it's baby blue or whatever. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no, I mean, it's a color, but yeah, we're going down another rabbit hole. We don't need to. We've got to escape that one too. You're here for two hours. Thanks for listening to Escaping the Rabbit Hole. To get instant access to the newest episodes of the podcast and the first three chapters of Antonio's newest book, go to www.escapingtherabbithole.com and enter your first name and best email and smash the button that says, Get the Podcast.